The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast presented by Acme Packing Company of SB Nation. I am Tyler Brooke, joined with a special guest this week. We've got Justice Mosqueda on. Justice, how you doing, man? Uh, I mean, how am I doing? Everything is relative, right? I'm doing better than yesterday. Tell you that. Yeah, you know, there was football on yesterday. I think there was a, a Packers game, but uh, we'll probably. That's what I'm being told. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe maybe game's not a right word because that in, that uh, you know implies that it was a contest, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, we'll obviously talk a little bit about that. Happy to have Justice on. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, Caleb Smith is stepping down from the podcast uh, for personal reasons. We're going to miss having him on. Um, I know as much as everyone loves to hear Justice talk, uh, doubt he's going to be the long-term fill-in. We will find someone uh, else in the future. Uh, Obviously, I'm still happy to talk Packers every week, even on a week like this one. um, Just probably, man, what do we even talk about at this point? Uh, I think the the note I had wrote down was just oof. <laughs> there, there is a lot of oof, and it just—I well, I said it on the uh, post-game pod, but it just spirals so fast yeah. when New Orleans can hold the ball like that and they're getting the lead. That puts you in a position where the the clock already matters, and it's the first half. And once you're in that position, there goes the run game. If we can't throw our way into it, and you know, obviously Aaron had an awful game, and he said as much. Matt Lafleur said as much. Um, yeah, I mean, if if you're not going to step up in the passing game and and make a couple big plays that kind of change the game and take some risks and hope they break right, then you're going to end up in a situation where your backups are playing in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly where they ended up. Okay, so. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Justice. I'm a, I'm a little sleep deprived. I was in a cabin from Thursday to Sunday, drove straight to Lucas Oil Stadium for the Colts game, scrambled back in time for the Packers game. I thought I had dreamed that Jordan Love got snaps in week one. Now, that actually happened. That actually, what an anticlimactic way for Jordan Love to finally see the field after a whole offseason of just the hottest takes and so, like, the split of the fan base between like just let Aaron walk, yeah. like l- love time, start him now, let's go, and for him to show up in the game like in a, in a whimper of like the game is already decided and we're in Jacksonville and we're playing the Saints, like so many weird things had to happen for that to occur. 
Like I know, I know it was against you know just the most base defense you could possibly face, but like he looked fine. You know, it was uh, it was one of those takes where hey, at least he's getting on field experience, um, just not in the way you'd want it. Yeah, again, I, I always think of the Brett Hundley thing, and I talked about that in the post game too. Is you know Brett Hundley comes in against I think it was the Vikings after Aaron. I think it was when Aaron broke his collarbone, um, and then. Hundley looks pretty good, and then he starts starting games, and teams start playing in ways that like go against his flaws. So, like, I'm sure if Jordan Love were starting games, he he would look a lot different than you know end of game just going against base. And again, he's going against backups too. It's not like New Orleans didn't pull their guys either. I know Aaron Rodgers has struggled to stay. I wouldn't say struggle to stay healthy, but you know, there's been some periods of time where he's been injured and I'm trying to think like, who are all of the guys that have seen playing time when Rodgers has been out? Like, I think at one point Seneca Wallace got snaps for the Packers. Am I crazy? Seneca, Seneca got a start and then he got hurt like real early in that start. Um, I'm Tolzine got in. Tolzine, uh, Matt Flynn Uh, has played. Flynn. It's a very it's a surprisingly long list of guys that have seen snaps under center while Rodgers has been there. Yeah, it's and it's a interesting list, right? I mean, who's the? I mean, I guess there was optimism for Hundley. There was optimism Kaiser. for Flynn a little pretty, bit. Kaiser, high on I Kaiser, forgot about that. You? Yeah, I really like yeah. Kaiser. I still, man, <laughs> you. I thought he was going to be good coming out and. I still stand by that take. And obviously he's not an NFL quarterback, but I don't know how you could have seen that off a of college tape. It, it was is basically my thought. It was that tape, especially the year before his final college season that really stood out too. He could really sling it. Uh, yeah, like beating Texas yep. and all that at the beginning of the year. The crowd was rocking. Yeah, he was making all the throws. And I was like, what in the hell is going on here? Why is no one talking about this quarterback from Notre Dame? Because there was a while where he wasn't even talked about as like uh, – the starter there. Yeah. Remember, it was like a, a big quarterback competition. He was kind of like the underdog who came out ahead of it. Being from Indiana, I never don't hear about Notre Dame football. And I'll be honest, I've grown up, I've never cared. Like, Did you get Peacock? Did you get Peacock <laughs> to watch the Toledo game? Well, you know I'm a huge soccer fan, right? So I had Peacock for you know all the Premier League, baby. There we go. So I guess that's just like an added bonus and Drew Brees hair. So, you know, added bonuses for the peacock. We got to talk about his hair, dude. That's. <laughs> he looks like a cop. <laughs> I have People not. got mad at me. I was I'm... like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, that guy just looks like a cop. Like, I don't think that's a, that's a neutral statement in my opinion, but I just saw his hair and I was like, yeah, that guy looks like a police officer. He, I don't, do you think, I, I don't even know, like how you even pretend that it's real. We've seen what Drew Brees' hair looked like at the at the end of his NFL career. He just wait until like the helmet isn't pulling at the hair plugs. Is that what that was? Just do the Erlach or just like be all the way up front about it and do the ads. You know, I lived in Chicago for five years. There was a billboard on every street of hey, Erlacher has hair now. Just don't like just show up and pretend like nothing happens. We we can see it, man. Like this this yeah, we we have eyes. Don't don't uh don't insult our intelligence. You, we, we at least have to have a talk about this. I feel like we could have an entire podcast on the history of Packers backup quarterbacks and Drew Brees' hair. Um, we probably should talk a little bit more about Rodgers, though. There, that might have been one of the worst performances I've seen from him in a while. 
Um, I think my biggest issues, it was the hesitancy for me. We saw a couple of those, you know, shallow crosser routes where he was a tick late. Uh, I think in particular that third down to Aaron Jones, you know, had he gotten out a little earlier, probably would have easier to get the first down. And then the other big one I had beef with, like something I don't even recognize was uh, a play action rollout. I think it was designed for Tunyon. Instead of throwing it away, he hesitated and took a sack. Like those are not the plays Rodgers makes. That is a guy notorious for throwing it away. Yeah, that that Tunyon one was weird too because it ended up getting covered up pretty well. Yeah. I, I I rewatched the game last night after I recorded the post game pod, and yeah, that's just one that you throw away. I don't I don't know why he double clutched it, and then once he double clutched it, he was just like, "Oh, the ball's in my hands now," and it's a rollout, so like half of the field is taken away. So I've already hit the sideline. I might as well go down. And he took a pretty big hit on that one too. That was, that was the one where I was like, Oh no, it was the angle. Like <laughs> it looked like he was trying to do like a yoga pose as he was going down. It did not look comfy. Yeah, that, that wasn't great. I, I still, yeah. I mean, the worst ball of the night by far was that interception down the middle, not that first interception, but the second one where I know people were saying he's looking off the safety, I mean, it's cover one, guys. So, like, <laughs> it's still a post-safety. Like, that guy is there in the middle of the field specifically to try to stop that route. So, if you're not giving him a conflict and, like, running a, a crosser underneath it that he has to worry about, then he's, he's just going to take that and pick it off. And that's exactly what he did. So, I, I think that was, like, a full-blown desperation move where it was, like, we're running a deep route, and it, we got to complete a deep route at some point, and we're real close to getting Jordan Love into the game. Yeah. So <laughs> let's make a play and see if this game is even worth fighting for. In the exact moment, I remember my thoughts were, eh, it's, at least it's an arm punt. Wait. Oh, no one's tackling the guy. And then it was like a 50-yard return. You're like, okay, that's where it becomes like a, a real issue. I think had any- Elton Jenkins, two tackles. He can do everything, right? He can do everything. More tackles than Kevin King, if I if I recall correctly. That's uh, pretty pretty brutal. Might have been the best player on offense and defense. That yeah, that's tough. I thought Preston did pretty well. Um, I know a lot of people are not looking for positives right yeah. now, but I do think you know Elton played pretty well. I think the rookies. I know Newman struggled a little bit, but relative to what he, I mean, he's a what a fourth round rookie playing yeah. his first game after, you know, rotating in and out in the preseason. Um, I thought he did pretty solid. Preston did good. Jair, they tested Jair like one time uh, on that slot fade. And he tracked the and ball he was, so well. You saw that yeah. return. Oh, it's textbook. <laughs> he was like, nope, <laughs> not today. Not today. You will not be getting me like that. And they were like, okay, Kevin, it is then. And, and then, yeah, we got to talk about Kevin King. Um, that's two straight games now, the conference championship in this, where he's just getting, as you say, dotted on the deep throws. He's just, what, what do you think it is? I, I want to remind you so exposed two two long receptions to Dante Harris, who's a very fast player. I think he should be worked into the offense more, but Dante Harris had fewer than 200 receiving yards last year. They, they almost view him specifically as like a returner only because of his size. But What do you think is going on there? Is it a combination of bad scheme and bad play? Or I, I have not gone back and watched the game. Was it the wrong call on that deep route or just he just get no, hurt? It's just, it's just zoning, man, man. Like he's just getting burned and that's kind of who he is. Like everyone looks at him and you see frame 
plus speed. And you're like, ah, at some point this is going to work right. But, I mean, he was this dude at UW. Like, I don't know if he's gotten any better since he was at Washington. And he's fifth year into the league. And I just don't know how much longer you want to go down this road. I mean, obviously, they thought enough of him to give him $6 million a year for, for this season. And then stretch it out so he doesn't even count all the way against this year's cap. He's going to be counting against the future too, but um, not enough to not draft Eric Stokes in the first round. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if they were just didn't like the cornerback market and they were like, let's just get something familiar and then add the upgrade in the draft. But Yeah, that was the crazy part. I feel like at the time they signed King, there were guys right after that that were you know potentially better or at least different. They're getting paid for less money. And the way that this contract is now structured, you can't really cut him. And now you have these no. void years counting against the cap for, was it three or four more years after this? It's just a, that's a brutal one for a guy that costs you a championship game. I know, I know a lot of people are responsible for that conference championship loss uh, against Tampa, but the low light reel of Kevin King in that game is, is some of the worst I've seen. And it's not even, it's not even, he costs you the championship game. It's just like he's a bad corner. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he has been a bad corner for a long time. He's had a ton of shoulder injuries. Um, he doesn't move around in the formation. So you know that like, okay, he's on the offense's left side. The offense knows that they're going to be able to go to the left side. Yeah. Um, he has some issues tackling at times. Uh, not great man coverage. I mean, he's long, but if he loses, he if he loses the flight of the ball, it doesn't matter how long he is, and it doesn't matter how fast he is because he's going to end up behind that thing, and we've seen it over and, and over he's not going to time, time the jump well when he does track. Nope. Nope. And, yeah, again, those ball skill things, like, okay, maybe he could come down with picks, but if he can't track the ball, like, those are almost different yeah. things, and you can't just assume, oh, he can get picks. They're not going to throw deep on him. That's That's not what's happening with Kevin King. The other part with the secondary, I feel like it's just been a long-term problem, is the tackling. And I think one of the things that hurt me more was watching the Sunday night game uh, last night. or I guess this is coming out on Tuesday, so Sunday night. Uh, watching how the Rams use Jalen Ramsey at that star position. The way that guy plays football and tackles and makes plays uh, is just like, oh, that's what the Packers are missing in the secondary. You know, someone that can hit. And I think Jair is a great player, great cover corner, but even he has issues with tackling. He he can come on on like a blitz yeah. and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean Jalen is basically peak Charles Woodson at this point, and they they know that. I it's just interesting to see, I don't know how how the Packers front office values this too, because it used to be a team that was very much ran by the front office, and now both the coaching staff and the front office report to Mark Murphy, right? So I wonder how they view that slot position more because I know like the front office with the the Micah Hyde stuff. Um, one of the reasons they let him walk is because they were like, "Yeah, he's a slot, and we don't want to pay a slot that much money." And the coaches were like, "Come on!" And they were they're like, "No, no, no, no! Let's just avoid this entirely and like not even offer him anything because we don't want the coaching staff to spend to use him in the slot if we're going to be giving him that much money." But we're seeing it in the NFL now, and we're seeing it, I mean, especially at the college level. The college guys, all, all the, their best players are playing in yep, the slot. Yep. And the reason for that is there's just so much space. And 
you know, it might impact the college game more because they're seeing fewer tight ends and uh, the hashes are wider. So, like, you're talking about we're seeing slot receivers to the field every single play, period, no exceptions. Um, So that's a big deal on the college level that you're not necessarily seeing in the NFL, which might be one of the reasons why they play those guys. But, like, Minka Fitzpatrick at Alabama wasn't playing outside corner. He was playing the slot. Like that's all he was doing. I feel like we're seeing some of uh, Kyle Hamilton at Notre Dame playing slot as well, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest position to play because you have two way goes. Um, You can't use the sideline as an extra defender, which is why, you know, these cover three teams and stuff like those long corners, because, you know, at the end of the day, okay, you get beat a little bit, but if you're hugging, if you're, if you're, Body is an obstructive object, and the sideline's an extra defender. That's going to help you out. Yep. Um, so that's kind of the difference between how some of these college teams and how some of these pro teams uh, treat themselves. But the Rams are kind of on the cutting edge of that stuff. And we'll see what I, – I didn't watch the Chargers enough to see what Staley was yeah. doing down there. Um, I don't think the Packers' defense is as close to the Staley stuff as people assume. I think it's probably closer to like uh, what Pittsburgh does and what Denver does than really what the Rams did last year, especially with the personnel switches. Like, yeah. you know, Eric Stokes got in for for one play in dime before uh, they put in the backups. Um, I don't think they ever went to a three safety look. So, like, one of the big things the Rams did was they're switching defensive personnel all the time. And you know, there's some positives, there's some negatives in, to that. Um, you need depth, but Green. Yeah, uh, Green Bay for sure stuck to uh, nickel and base for the most part, and they didn't really run nickel last year. So it was it was interesting to watch. The secondary wasn't the only issue I had with the defense. I mean, I think one thing I kept noticing is everyone kept looking at each other. I don't think that's ever something you want to see on the defense when everything's going around. As soon as there's motion, everyone in the secondary or at linebacker looks lost. Um, I don't think the D-line did itself any favors. I was, you know, really hoping. The D-line's the big one to yeah. me. It's... The line of scrimmage guys, man, like you got to get more pressure than that. And you can't get knocked off the ball the way that you got knocked off. And I understand the the Saints have good offensive line, but like some of these playoff teams are going to have good offensive lines too. So I was just hoping to see a bigger step up. I think, you know, it's supposed to be a healthy defensive line. And going back to your point earlier, you're talking about, you know, what positions does the front office value? Uh, it does not seem like defensive line. They seem very content to keep rolling out Dean Lowry out there. Yeah, and I just, I mean, what does the free agency market look like for those defensive linemen right now? I know, so they got TJ and they got Heflin, and those are really the only guys that they don't have answers for right now. But, um, you know, Kiki has seen playing time. Um, Definitely seen him play better games than what he played yesterday. Dean, we've seen it before. Lancaster, we've seen it before. So it's like they're... They're warm bodies. At least there's some optimism with Kiki, but we'll, I guess we'll see. I mean, Slayton, please show something in practice this week. Heflin, please show something in practice this week. Uh, I, I was a little late for the game, so as far as inactives, was Heflin out? Or was he a healthy scratch? He 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 was a he was a healthy that's scratch. One of, so he that's was one a, of those guys I want to see. I mean, in the preseason, yeah. he was just you know a mover of men. Uh, someone I, just give him a shot. You know, I don't think it could be much worse than what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, McDuffie was out too, and then I'm trying to think of who else on the front. I think that was it because uh, they had 
they they had five outside linebackers that they had active on game day um, because, you know, Zadarius, obviously the plan was use him in pressure situations, at least early on in the game. Uh, Rashawn Gary lost contain, and then their plan started to change a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, I was I was not expecting Jonathan Garvin to play like 40 snaps or whatever he ended up playing. I, yeah. I, I didn't realize that that was their week one plan. Uh, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. I will say I'm going to bring in a new segment right now. It's something I had been toying around with. And after, you know, seeing the internet just be the internet, I think even if you and I are also guilty of it, I think it's time to, you know, have some silver linings, right? So wanted to debut the Packers positives this week. Just, you know, talk about some things, even on a game as terrible as this one, try and find uh, some positive things to take away from it. So I got a couple right here. You know, first one, the punter looked okay. You know, uh, Chris Borquez, did I say that right? Borquez. Borquez, okay. I'm, it's going to take me until like week 15 to get that one right. It's a it's a tricky one, let me tell you. It's a tricky I one. Thought, I thought he looked okay. Sure. I thought the hang time was there. Um, I w- I'll be honest, every time there was a punt, I was more worried about the snap than anything. Uh, the snap seemed fine. Uh, I thought he looked okay. We'll take that as a win. Punter trade, biggest news of the offseason. Uh, there was no Rogers drama. It was just a punter trade. Uh, and then the other one I wanted to point out, you know, as bad as the loss was, the Bears, Vikings, and Lions all lost as well. The divisions, obviously, there's 16 more games to play, but it's kind of nice knowing that you're still on even footing in the division race. Yeah, my big one, again, is is just Preston. Yep. Um, he... he that game was one of the best games that I've seen him play in at least, at least including the 2020 season. I know 2019, he looked a little better um, than 2020, but Preston looked good. Um, He was beating up on some of these guys. I think he's just like continuously getting bigger. And just in general, I think he's the way this defense is structured is not the team's almost in a transition spot, right? Where they're trying to, get out of guys who are great under Petten to guys who fit better under Barry. Right. So Zedarius, so they play a lot of base, like three, four. um, And then they obviously run a bunch of stunts and stuff inside of that. But the crux of it is your outside linebackers are going to be playing outside, which is big, a big difference between how you want to use Zedarius which is I want to kick him inside and you get him one-on-one with like a guard or yeah. something like that in the pass rushing game. But it does bode better for Preston moving forward, I think. I um, felt so bad for him last year. I always felt like, what is your what is Petten's plan for him? We're going to drop him back into coverage like pretty consistently. Like That's not where his skill set lies. He is one of those strong edge-contained guys. So I agree with you. I think, I think that's a good takeaway. I think there's a lot of potential for him to kind of get back to his productive form. And, you know, that was a really good start from him. Uh, I also do think it was nice to see Eric Stokes out there even for a little bit. Uh, maybe didn't do a lot. Hey, one, one play, one PBU. Yeah. And then he got in. It was, uh, it's I, a drop. Again, I, I, so I was like, eh, it's kind of a drop. <laughs> but I'll give him credit. He stuck to him. So to your point about talking about, you know, that star position, mm-hmm. right? That, that nickelback or slot back, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same yeah. thing. Um, that dime look that that Stokes came on for, he was playing outside corner and Jair got kicked inside the slot with Chandon. So that's kind of how they're playing it. Is they're playing four corner, four corner dime with Stokes and King outside, and then Chandon and uh, Jair 
in in the middle of the field, which those are probably the two guys who I'd probably want to <laughs> to to play the slot right now. Unless you know, I think Savage could do it too, um, just because he basically has like the movement skills of a corner. But you know, Savage got hurt a little too, so yeah. I can't even remember if if he was in the game or if Henry Black was in there for him at that point. Yeah. Uh, only other positive I have is hey, there was football on, right? You know, Sundays are back for football, laying on the couch, games all day. That's uh, I don't think there's anything better than that. I I remember that opening college football week. I watched like 11 hours of football on Saturday. So just give me it. Oh, I just turned into like a gremlin for like the first half of like September. Where I'm like, oh, there's like a Mac game on a Wednesday. I can't miss that. No chance I can miss that. And then halfway through the season, you're like, as long if if Thursday night is like Jaguars Titans, I'm not tuning in. I'm just like. Can't. Yes. Well, you're like by the yeah the beginning of the year, you're you're full like football gremlin mode, and you're like I have to watch everything. And then by like bowl season in college football, you're like I really don't need to watch the Las Vegas Bowl. I don't really need. I'll that. watch the New Year's Six, and then if Indiana is in a bowl, I might watch that. Uh, I thought we were going to be a football school, man. You know, I was really looking forward to it. <laughs> How's the quarterback looking? Uh, I did not watch on Saturday. We won fifty six fourteen against Idaho, so you know, real uh, resume. Oh yeah, you didn't you didn't need to watch. Yeah, that. real resume builder. Uh, he did not look great against Iowa in the opener. Uh, he he was seeing. Ghost he he has a ho- he has a hose, but he's a lefty and he has a weird throwing yeah, motion. He does. So like, I'm really interested in seeing like what the NFL does with him because I can't tell if he's going to be a draft pick off of like arm strength alone or. If he's going to end up being like a UDFA and just like sticking through, I think he's a pra- I think he's a guy that makes it on the practice squad. squad. Um, yeah. uh, from what all I've heard too, like uh, coach just loves him too. So he's one of those guys. I think he'll get a shot. Um, you know, I love him to death, but no one will ever beat Nate Sudfeld, uh, Super Bowl champion with the Philadelphia Eagles. Super Bowl champion is that like the. Uh... It's the same thing with like Carson. Carson Wentz, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how how many snaps did Sudfeld get in? <laughs> I think. Maybe no, he didn't kneel. Actually, I don't even remember if he did. I think I would have freaked out if he was on the field for a kneel. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the sideline in the hat, got to get a celebrate though. I mean, hey, you got the shirt, got the shirt and the hat. Yeah, that's all you can ask for. You, you got the ring, so <laughs> no one can take it from you. Oh my gosh! Well, I do want to make sure that we cover some news as well um, today. Uh, the one I have that's not really news, but I just think we needed to talk about it. Going from positives back to you know a little down in the dumps, I did love that there were tweets of Monday morning that there was literally a cloud hanging over Lambeau Field. I don't, did you see the picture? I have not. What, what is it like? Is it, it ominous? It's very foggy. It's really like a low hanging cloud was over the stadium. Ted sad guys. Ted sad. Oh yeah, I see it now. It's massive. Yeah, that's not great. What a sign. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is this the bad juju year? I saw one of my buddies, Derek Clausen, uh, he does some stuff for Bleacher Report right now, was talking about he, – he called the, the Packers last, last dance stuff fan fiction. And I, <laughs> I got I got pretty that, – that hurt pretty good last night. So – they really have. What is, done, the, is the universe talking back to us? Is it telling us like chill out, slow down? They really have done a lot to like just try and piss off the football gods. I think Rogers taking you know an off season off, jabbing with the team, um, all this Zadarius stuff. Which we you know why don't we talk about it now? Like what's going on with Zadarius? All these tweets are freaking me out, man. 
the eyeball emoji stuff, and then okay, let's talk yeah. about it. All right. So he played one. He he was there for one practice in August. Okay, and then he was. Oh, my phone going off. My bad. Um, he was he was there for one practice in August. He did individual drills, and then he stopped practicing again. You know that might have been something where you're testing out your back, and maybe it's not ready. I mean, we saw guys like Gary do that at at various points with like his groin injury and stuff. But then, I mean, there's obviously some sort of dispute with his contract situation, yep. right? Which is kind of the elephant in the room is that okay, this guy has made multiple Pro Bowls and he wants a bigger contract than what he got signed on for. The Packers aren't really in a position where they can actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they kind of got to get Zadarius to play on his contract right now so that they can, you know, potentially sign, you know, Jair or uh, Devontae or, you know, hey, that Aaron Rodgers guy. Uh, his, his deal needs to get redone if you're going to keep him long term. Um, he wasn't voted a captain. He missed a, a ton of practice time leading up to this week and then was like, yeah, I'm good to go for the game. And it even seemed like LaFleur game when he was talking about it, he was kind of surprised that Zedarius was like, yeah, I'm good to go. Let's yeah. just play me. Um, and it sounds like it happened late in the week. And then it seems like right around the time that they were like voting and announcing like who, who was going to be team captains, Zedarius just sent out the like sideways – looking eye emoji tweet and that's all he did he just said that one emoji and then they asked like uh mike smith about it he was like ah it's no big deal and i'm like i don't know if i trust mike smith as like the uh official voice for zadarius smith right now like all all respect due to him but like i i think this might be above your head in terms of like contract situation and and like who gets to be a team captain and stuff like yeah, that? I think that's the un- I think that's the you know story not talked about. There is a lot going on with him. I I for the one I will not buy into the con- like the conspiracy theories that he's holding off and doesn't have a bad back because even you know my twenty eight no. year old ass with a slightly bad back sometimes it is debilitating. So I will never you know talk. Crap well, the other him. thing too is they kept him like actually on a snap yeah. count. So. You know, he he wasn't out there starting. He didn't get the starting nod. So I, I believe it, and especially, I mean, it's not like he's an old guy, but he's not a young guy too. Like having a back on your record is is not a good thing to have in the league. So I, the one thing that does give me pause with the captain situation is when like Lafleur was asked about it. He was like, yeah, you know, he was really close. You know, we had to have a cutoff point at some time, and I just said, you know, six instead of seven. I'm like you couldn't just give it to him, you know, like he's a pretty impactful player on your team. He he was talked about as like a defensive player of the year candidate. Oh, I was a couple months. Ago. I was all in on that. Uh, was that his first year uh, with the Packers? I was convinced. I was like anyone that would listen, like the impact that he had on that defense that first year was, you know, unquestionably valuable. So yeah, what a, what a wild journey that's been. It's definitely odd to see. And then between that and then people asking Devontae, like, hey, is there any chance you get this deal done in the season? And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, more power to him. He can do whatever he wants. But that's not necessarily uh, the thing that you're looking for when you're, ask- when you're asking that question. You're not looking for, no, there's no hope. There's no hope here. <laughs> I, they're just in salary cap hell, right? I think even what's the number, even if they got rid of Rogers, is it something like 20 million still over the cap? It's some insane number still. Yeah, they, they can't, I mean, 
if we're talking about a team that desperately needs that 2023 television money to start kicking in, the the Packers are going to be right there. I mean, we'll see how much they steal uh, money from the future. I mean, you could look at uh, the Bucks and a bunch of these other teams that are contending and know that they have uh, aging teams. I mean, they're just basically stealing money from the future that they know is going to be there to supplement them right now. And that's always tricky stealing money for the future too. But once the contracts start exploding 2023, what you're really stealing from is first year deals in 2023, yeah. right? Cause that that's when the market reset is going to happen, you know, across the board, across every position. And, you know, at some point you got a question like, Hey, do we actually need to like roll over like, $40 million in cap space in 2023, or can we start using that right now? Yeah. And that's kind of where posi- the position that teams are in. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what happens in the next, what, 16 games plus ideally playoffs, which, you know, I'm still not worried about a playoff situation at all. I think that division is so weak. No, I still think they're the favorite yeah. in the North. I Yeah, I just, I watched a little bit of Minnesota and I was like, woof, that offensive line cannot stop anyone. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not worried at all there. A uh, couple injury updates as well. There's actually some pretty decent news on that front. Uh, obviously, there was a pretty scary moment with Josiah DeGuara. Uh, he is heading into concussion protocol. Uh, LaFerce said he seemed fine. Uh, you know, obviously, you never want to speculate at all with the concussion, right? Uh, especially when he was down for that long. But I'm obviously just glad to hear that he's okay because that's a pretty rough stretch of injury luck for him to start his career. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, and he was getting, he was getting playing time early on in the game. I think he came into the game before Robert Tunyon even did. Um, they were doing some interesting stuff with their tight end rotation early on in the game. And again, it's kind of hard to tell what this offense is going to be because they immediately, it seemed like they were in their script where they're trying to figure out how do you, how do you handle these different personnel combinations? How do you handle these different formations? And then by the time they got out of the script, they were like, we're in two-minute drill for the rest of the game. So yeah, they just didn't have enough time. That's never – so, like, I don't think we have a handle on this base offense by any means, but they're at the very least playing games with these tight ends, which is what they should be doing, frankly, because these guys are all different guys. Like, DeGuara is more of that – I know people are going to call him a fullback, but he's really like a weak side tight end. Yep. So, like, he's kind of – He's kind of like a Greg Olson type that also lines up in the backfield a little bit. That's kind of the way to think about him. And then, you know, Mercedes Lewis is like the Y, which like for Greg Olson, that was Ed Dixon, right? Ed Dixon was the guy with the hand in the dirt. And he was like, okay, I'm knocking down defensive ends so that you can do your little thing. And then Tunyon is like the matchup guy um, where it's like, you know, we're in a passing game script and you have to figure out, am I going to put a safety? Am I going to put a linebacker? Am I going to use a corner on this guy? Th- those are the questions that you have to have with, with Tunyon. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if DeGuara is cleared and the Packers can get into um, more of a traditional offensive script uh, against the Lions, how, what their offense actually looks like. And if there are big, changes moving forward from you know 2020 to 2021 but I, I don't think we can make those judgments right now i'm still gonna call to guara fullback you know 
you know me. I'm the big fullback guy. I I get Daphne is the fullback. If there's any of them that are fullbacks, oh, I, love, like, I think Daphne only lines oh, up. Oh, let me tell you, I absolutely love Daphne. That's an Indiana State guy. You know, it's wild. They got two sycamores on the team right now with him and Tunyon. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think the craziest stat I saw last year is I think in NFL history, three Indiana State kids have ever scored a touchdown, and Aaron Rodgers has thrown to two of them. Yeah, it was. It, I remember I looked it up at one point, and there was like, I think it was like five Indiana State guys in like the last decade in the league, and the Packers had two active on the roster at the same time. And shouts to Daphne. I mean, he was a guy who I don't think anyone gave him credit coming out of college or anything. Like he wasn't anywhere. He wasn't necessarily on like the draft radar yeah. or anything like that. So. Um, he was the perfect guy who, of a next man up kind of guy too when he came in, right? Yeah, like he came in, he started producing. Like he was effective blocker, he was making catches. Like just one of those guys. I mean, again, I'm biased. I'm from Indiana. I have to root for the kid. Yeah, it's good stuff though. I mean, I, I, he, he's not a threat to uh, not be on the, on the roster anytime soon. the The other thing that'll be interesting is Sternberger, yeah. right? To see what what happens. They were if he gets out, refused to let go of that too. Like he's had so many issues, you know, injuries, suspensions. They are committed. They've spoke nothing but highly of him for like what is this? Is this his third year? Yeah, but they did do some interesting stuff where like Sternberger was coming in real late in the rotation in the preseason, and then um, even he had that like catch over the middle of the field uh, that. Jordan Love threw to him in the preseason, and on that cover Lafleur was like, "Yeah, first game, yeah." And Lafleur was like, "Yeah, he could do better at like staying on his feet and getting yards after the catch on that one." So I was like, "Oh, I can't tell how happy you are with yeah. him," and and that's a lot of it too, right? Where it's like, how how much has the staff fallen in or out of love with these guys? I mean, at at the end of the day, those are the people making the decisions. So sometimes that stuff matters. Well, the other good injury news is just that, you know, fortunately, you know, Savage did suffer that shoulder injury, not considered serious. He is in line to potentially play uh, on Monday. So I'll take that as a huge win. You know, if that had been any worse, you're running with a pretty thin group at safety. But hey, you know, even if he doesn't play next week, the fact that it's not a super long term injury feels like a win to me. That's something to watch. I mean, I don't know how serious the Vernon Scott injury is. Um, he's had a hamstring that he's been dealing with for a long time, yeah. it seems like. Um, if they thought that it was going to be a long-term injury, I think they would have just put him on IR and then used him after week six like uh, they did with Bakhtiari. So I don't think that they think it's that long-term of an injury, but he still wasn't practicing. And if Savage is out, you got exactly two safeties if, if Vernon Scott's hurt. So um maybe it's a waiver wire thing maybe you're calling someone up from the practice squad maybe you're playing someone out of position but uh going into the game with only two safeties isn't really something that is functional because <laughs> i mean yeah it might be one of those situations this, this where game, we see uh, a midweek you know last guy on the 53 man gets cut we bring in someone i saw they're already working out a couple of people today uh including holton hill which was like ah, that's a name i haven't heard in a minute holton hill they're taking the off-season flyer or the uh, off-field flyers now. That's interesting. You, Green Bay usually stays away from those guys. Yeah, well, they at least worked them out. So you know, we'll see if anything happens with that. I could see that you know after watching the film of the defense and just the the mess that was that they might try and make some changes sooner than later. Maybe not this week, but you know, if you see another rough defensive performance uh, on Monday, you know, could maybe see some moves. 
I really don't think that it's like a, I really don't think it's on the secondary. Um, other than, I mean, King obviously didn't yeah. look great, but I really do think it's more of a defensive line issue than than anything else because you just can't get knocked back on inside run that often, that frequently. Yeah, and I thought you know, Winston played great, so yeah, it's hard to fault the secondary too much because you know for a guy that threw you know thirty interceptions a couple years ago, yeah, he looked pretty damn good. Yeah, he only threw. 15 non-touchdown passes. So <laughs> it's 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 not like they were just ripping it out there and just eating on your secondary. Yeah. Um they were running the ball and then when they needed to pass they passed and then when they got closer into the goal line they decided, "Hey, you're playing so heavy, we're probably going to have to throw." Which if you're throwing at the goal line, I mean, you're probably doing what the defense wants, but they were just connecting on some of those plays and if you can't get pressure and you get knocked back on the defensive line in the run game, it, it's just hard to win ball games. Period. There isn't a defense built for we we can't get things done on the line of scrimmage. So, in other injury news, uh, Detroit Lions cornerback Jeffrey Akuda did suffer a ruptured Achilles. The season is done. A pretty significant injury for the Lions, and obviously notable for the Packers because they are playing Detroit on Monday night. It's one of those situations where obviously, you know, losing that big of an impactful player uh, does favor the Packers. But then again, they just played New Orleans with a depleted secondary and there were issues there. Yeah, I mean, Ken Crawley was put on IR on Friday. Um, If you want to even go further, you know, the Lions don't have a great wide receiver unit. But Traquan Smith also got put on IR on Friday, who was supposed to be the, the Saints number one wide receiver coming into the game. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, their their star corner, ended up getting a uh, what do you call it, a cast on his arm mid game. So, I mean, there were opportunities at cornerback for for Green Bay to kind of feast on some of these guys, and they didn't make the most of it. So it'll be interesting to see what Detroit does. Um, I didn't get a great look at at their game uh, this past week, just because you know I, w- I was red zoning in the morning, so I wasn't paying that much attention to it, and. Uh, it got out of hand real quick against San Francisco, and then they ended up storming back. So that it'll be an interesting watch. I did see Panay Sewell ended up playing left tackle uh, for the team after you know he spent a lot of time at right tackle in the preseason, and he looked very good. So that's not well. You're the Oregon guy. That shouldn't be a surprise at all, right? No, Panay's great. Yeah, Panay is going to be an All Pro at some point. I think. Sometimes just flipping guys around and messes with them. I know that's very weird to say as like a uh, Packers fan who sees like offensive linemen are just bouncing around all the time to different positions, but there certainly aren't that that's not the opinion of everyone in the league. There's plenty of people in the league who think of the positions as left or right um, more so than like tackle or guard in that like a lot of people thought um, Slater would have been a better pick for the Lions because they would have plugged him in at left guard and made him something close to like Quentin Nelson um, instead of attempted to play Panesua at right tackle. But now that he's back at left tackle, I don't think it matters. So it'll be interesting to see how fast uh, the public perception on Panesua changes because he, he was getting his butt kicked at, at right tackle a little bit. You know, losing one-on-ones to rookies like uh, Gregory Rousseau and stuff like that. And now he's he's going to be able to be he's going to be able to play in a position that's comfortable for him. Well, I, I guess that brings us into the Monday night game. Just a quick little preview for everyone. Um, you know, 
Obviously a heavily favored projection for the Packers to win. Definitely a bounce-back game opportunity for them. Uh, but just as who, what is the matchup or something that you're looking forward to most in that game? Definitely inside run game when when the Packers are on defense. I, I want to see what they do when TJ Hawkinson, who's a true Y, right, hand, hand in the dirt, tight end who can knock guys off the ball. Jamal Williams is back there. Um, they have an actual fullback uh, that they're rostering. You know, we just talked about Panay Sewell. Um, on the interior, you're going to get guys like Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, uh, Vitae, who signed that massive contract <laughs> in Detroit uh, at tackle, and it didn't necessarily work out. But they have guys who can move the ball on the interior offensive line. So between that, the fullback, Hawkinson, and Jamal Williams, I, I want to know what this defensive line looks like because they're not going to get too many more shots at these like inside run teams. Um you know, San Francisco's the next week, and then really it's the end, end of season stretch, right? Where you end up getting like Baltimore, Cleveland, Detroit again. There's another team that I'm forgetting, but there's there's another one at the end of the year. Um, so getting getting the answers on the inside run game early on in the season, I think is going to matter as, as they uh, continue through the season, and then that late season stretch through the playoff is really when it's going to get tested, right? So. Almost see this as like, uh, how how should I explain it? Like, uh, yeah, it's it's just testing testing the strength of the defensive line moving forward. Um, that's that's just the big deal for me. I think coming off of that New Orleans game because you just simply cannot have teams get get the ball, hold the ball for fifteen plays, and then score and then do it again. If you're doing that, you're going to lose a lot of football games very quickly, and the offense is just going to be in a position where they're going to have to go two-minute just because of how complementary football works across both sides of the ball. What I'm looking at is the other side of the ball. I think it does go hand-in-hand hand with what you were saying, but it is the uh, you know run like, the run game. Can they even run the ball effectively? You know, It's kind of hard when the other team has the ball the entire time, but... I think we saw two straight runs from Dylan where, you know, you can see what kind of impact he can have. Uh, Aaron Jones is a weapon. So when you're barely giving either of those guys any touches, you know, it's hard to bring any balance or consistency on offense. But I don't think I have anything else on my end, Justice. Uh, obviously, weird week with a Monday game just pretty early on, but it's nice to have the Packers back in prime time. Uh, anything on your end? Not really, other than, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it would be nice to see a couple runs every once in a while. I just don't think it was realistic, you know, with the uh, the way the game flow ended up working out. And they caught him by surprise, and good for the Saints. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. Well, yeah, you heard it here. Uh, as the fill-in guest, if you want to send us off, do you want to give us one I love gold? <laughs> I love gold. I love gold. Gold.